Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, dear ladies. Here I am again with you in your home, coming to you from my home. Well, last week, I still didn't get to talk with you about the last point, number 15, which is our home is also a garden center. Well, I know that you often go to a garden center to buy plants and seeds, but truly, our homes should be a garden center. Because if we go back to the very beginning in Genesis, we see that the very first thing that God did after he created Adam was to create this beautiful home for Adam and for his wife, Eve, who was not yet created. Eve had not yet come into the world because God didn't want her to come in until he had the home ready for her. He created the man without the home, but not the woman. When Eve woke up to life, where was she? In her home, where God planned for her to be. But it wasn't just a home of four walls. It was a garden. We all know it's the garden of Eden. Yes, we've got to get that phrase, that garden of Eden, the first home, which was the prototype of all homes to come, was a garden. And therefore, a home is not truly a home unless it has a garden, and especially a garden of produce, because God intends us to eat from our gardens, because it's the healthiest way to eat. Now, we don't, we can get away with it today, of course, with our supermarkets and with all our refrigeration. In fact, I remember growing up as a girl, uh, we didn't have the refrigeration we have today. We didn't have all the deep freezers. And so we lived according to seasons, whatever produce grew or fruit grew in that season, that's what we ate. I remember one time for, goodness, three or four weeks at least, all we ate was pumpkin and beans. And that's what we had in the garden. So that's what we ate. But now, of course, we can go to the supermarket. We can buy any fruit from any uh, country in the world. We can buy any vegetable we want in any season. uh, Because there it is because of refrigeration. But even so, still not the healthiest. How long has it been sitting there? Is it GMO? Is it sprayed? Most probably. In fact, even if you want to buy organic and you look at it and, oh, it doesn't look very, very fresh at all. And so it's a beautiful thing to grow a garden. Now, I have the most wonderful 
garden this year. Oh, I'm so blessed. I go out every day. It just looks glorious. It's blooming. And now I'm in the middle of the harvest. I go out in the morning and I just pick about three huge bucketfuls of tomatoes and then cucumbers and golden squash and zucchini. And now my okra is coming on. And then I'll go and pick basil leaves to make pesto to eat with my tomatoes. Oh, it's so wonderful. And I grew some beans this year. They're called long beans, I think, because I just found this old packet and I don't even remember what the name was on the packet. But I planted them and I couldn't believe it. They grow these long, 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 long beans. They're so exciting. And I've got one still growing on my garden. I haven't picked it. I want to see how long it's going to grow. Do you know that already it's two feet, nine inches long? Can you believe it? But I have to tell you, in the spring, when it was time to put in my garden, I didn't feel like putting my garden in. Oh, I was very busy at the time. I was going to a lot of different retreats. And at the same time, I was just fighting this cough and this flu, which I'm just getting over this cough. And I just didn't have the energy. But I knew if I didn't do it, we wouldn't eat. Well, we could eat from the supermarket, but we wouldn't eat lovely life-giving foods. So I had to get myself by the scruff of my neck and make myself do it. You know, sometimes, ladies, it's not easy to do things. We have to just make ourselves do them. But then we get the blessings. I just can't believe the blessings I'm getting now, even though I sowed my garden just about in tears. <laughs> but now I'm just rejoicing in the reaping. And uh, now, of course, you may think, well, I know, Nancy, you live out there on the land. It's easy for you. Well, not really. When we first put in our garden many years ago, when we came out here, we couldn't even grow a thing. It's just chert up here on the hilltop. Chert! You can't grow anything! And so we had to buy our dirt and make these raised beds. And from them, I have composted and composted and kept them going all these years. Now, you may only have the tiniest little bit of land um, or just in your plot. But look, just grow a few tomatoes. I grew over a 100 tomatoes, but you can grow maybe one or two tomato plants even in a pot on your veranda, and a few herbs, or just something. But just grow something, because your home is a garden. Okay? All right. Now, dear ladies, I want to carry on. In this passage we started with, you may have to go back a few podcasts uh, to get to where I started because it's a taken a little while to get here. In Jeremiah 29 and in verse, uh, starting at verse 4, we started with this letter that was written by Jeremiah, but the words were given by God, by the Lord of 
hosts. And he sent this letter to them, to those who were in Babylon. They were captives. They were exiles away from their beloved land of Israel. And God came to them and he said, this is what I want you to do while you're in Babylon. And actually, there are seven things that God told them. And we started talking about the first one, which was build houses and settle in them. That's what we've been talking about, what it means to build an exciting home and to live in it, just to really make life in it. The very next thing he says, number two, plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Well, we've just talked about that. What's the next thing he says? Verse six, take wives and beget sons and daughters. Another translation says, marry and have children. Okay, do you notice something? It says, marry and have children. It doesn't say, marry and uh, then um, the wife, I think you better also get out to work um, and make sure you, you just you know, save up enough money to get your own home and pay off your car and get all these things in line. And then maybe you could think about having children. No. It just says, marry and have children. Well, I've got something exciting for you today. I have someone special in our studio, which is actually my lounge. (laughs) And uh, anyway, I want to introduce you today to Nadia Mutana. And say hi, Nadia. Hello, ladies. It's good to be here with you. (laughs) Yes. Now, Nadia is a mother of seven children. And uh, Nadia, um, seven children. Did you plan that when you got married? (laughs) No, definitely not. Tell me about it. We had a plan just like everybody else. Uh, We were going to wait five years, you know, get financially stable. It's the intelligent thing to do and have one, two. Maybe we were going to be a little radical push to three but definitely not go over four and that will be it so what happened well (laughs) i mean you've got more than four now somebody showed up in my life that i was not pleased with and she brought me your magazine which i packed Mm. in my home and i kept for over a year didn't think that was something for me um, Do you mean to say you had above rubies in your home for a year yes. and you never read it? No, <laughs> she was my doula and so I had been polite. She was helping me with the birth of my baby. So I just stuck it on the side for a while. And a year went by. My, my firstborn was a year and uh, somehow we were moving. So I was unpacking and I looked into it and it was there. And I just could not comprehend the things that were being said in that magazine. It was what seemed to me at that time ridiculous. <laughs> I could not believe who lives this kind of lifestyle. So that was my introduction to the magazine. Yes, but I mean, if it seems so ridiculous to you, well, how did you actually get with it? 
So, well, I I love God. And so yes. my desire was to seek God, to live mm. a life dedicated to him after ha- having been saved and the things he had taken me from. So what I found in a the magazine, there were scriptures about it. So I wasn't just going to take it because you said it or pointed out a few scriptures because anybody can point different scriptures and still connect mm. it in the wrong way. So I went to prayer, actually. I what I called wrestled with the Lord. I prayed about it. I said, God, you cannot be asking me this. Show me proof. So, but, and, I, and I said, God, if I ever trusted you, like they were saying, I could end up with 20, 30 children. That is not okay. Like, that is not possible for my body. I just wrestled with God. And he said to me, well, he dealt with me and began to talk to me. Who says you have 20? Who says yeah. you have 30? I said, well, science is very clear. If I don't do anything to stop it, I obviously will get pregnant. I was only 21, so I could only think of having a full house. And so he took me scripture by scripture by scripture to prove me that he already knows how many children you're going to have, that it's him who opens a womb, it's him who closes the womb. And just because I was willing to surrender, it didn't mean he would give me how many. It could be or it might not be, but he already had a plan, and he, he had to really deal with me, and he said, really, Nadia, this is an issue of you not trusting me. You mm. don't think I love you enough. You don't agree with when I say that I have good plans for you. We're talking about Jeremiah 20. I have good plans for you to prosper you. I say, yeah, but I don't see how that's, you see, you're fearful because you don't think I would ask you what is good for you. I'm mm. not out to hurt you. So once we got past that, I'm like, okay, but how many could I have? <laughs> so he literally took me by scripture by scripture and began to show me how many did Abraham had. How many, you know, right? How many did Jacob have? I said, well, I don't know. Jacob had two wives and a couple concubines, so four women, and he only got 12 children. I'm like, well, that's, I mean, you divide her. That's not a lot. And they lived 130. And then how many did Isaac have? Isaac only had one pregnancy. And on and on and on. He just went on to say, just because you trust me, there's also no guarantee that you have children. You just have to surrender that I have the exact amount number that is perfect for you. Yes. And so how do you feel now about making that decision? Well, yes. So... <laughs> After I got over what seemed fear and learned that he has a good plan for me, I honestly, this is not, and people ask me, I say, this is not what I planned, but I am so glad. Yeah. It's far beyond what I could have given myself. I mean, which one would I trade? I love each one of them. Oh, yeah. Each child has brought incredible, incredible blessings. That doesn't mean there are no times you're challenged. You're like, oh, you know, difficulties that come up. You're like, okay, we surely can't be doing another one. But, oh, you get another one and you're like, oh, my husband yeah. and I were like, aren't you so glad we have another one? You know, yes. so I am oh. so thankful we made that decision. And uh, they have seven precious children, and uh, their names are Jeremiah, Samuel, Wonder. Don't you love that name? Eliza, Jairus, 
Cyrus and precious little Grace. Now the first, no, I don't think it was the first time because I met you at an Above Ruby's but, retreat. But it was the first time you met my family. Yes, the first <laughs> time that Nadia came to our home and came with some of their family. They've had more since. And I think Jeremiah, their oldest, is now just turned 13. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, he would be about six or seven at this stage Mm. I have to tell you ladies I was so impressed they came up the stairs and this young boy only six or seven years old uh, he saw me and he put out his hand and he said I am Jeremiah uh, Mutana I am so pleased (laughs) to meet you and shook my hand and then along came wonder My name is Wanda, and I am so pleased to meet you. And she shook my hand, and so did Samuel. And I was just so blessed. Thank you, Nadia, for training your children uh, to be young gentlemen and ladies. Oh, it was beautiful. Oh, ladies, it's it's such a good thing to teach our children how to greet people and uh, also how to greet older people. Today you find that most young people, young people in their teens and then right down to even children, they don't even take any notice of young, of older people. Um, they just run in and out of houses or walk in and out. And I find you can have young people coming in and out. They don't even bother to say hello. I mean, they don't hardly even notice that this happens to be your home that mm. they're entering in. Oh, my. Let's teach our mm. children and our young people etiquette that when they go into a home, they don't just enter into a home, uh, even if uh, perhaps another young person is bringing them in. They always go to the parents of that home and say, "Uh, thank you for the privilege of coming to your home. Mm -hmm. My name is, say, Susan Bryant. I am very happy to meet you and happy to be in your home. Mm -hmm. Teach them to show respect. Teach them how to greet people. And Nadia has been doing that. In fact, you're very much into (laughs) etiquette, aren't you? (laughs) Some time ago, we went down to uh, have a meal with um, Nadia and Putana and their children. And uh, uh, it was just beautiful to see the way uh, the children were conducting themselves and they were all learning how to really show proper etiquette. (laughs) And even at the table, it was wonderful. Uh, Yes, so uh, Nadia, uh, not only had you never ever (laughs) heard about, you know, having more than a couple of children in your life, but uh, you really didn't know anything about mothering or homemaking. Let me get this magazine here because uh, let me tell you, uh, Nadia uh, and her husband wrote not in number 95, but the one before, 94, about the naming of your children so you can read their article in that magazine. And Nadia also wrote an article in number 
uh, issue number 90. That's the one with Evangeline at her spinning wheel on the front cover. It's a wonderful article. I was just reading it again today, mm -hmm. Nadia. Uh, it's called A Mother Desperate for <laughs> God. And uh, she starts off, I have nothing in my upbringing that qualifies me to be a good and godly wife. I grew up in a broken Muslim home. And that was in Rwanda because Nadia comes from Rwanda. And every relative I knew had a broken home too. I have to cleave to the rock that is higher than I. And there are four, soon to be five at that time, lovely children who call me mama. They expect me to nurture and train them. But who am I that I should undertake such a task? I myself have never known the love of a mother. From infancy, my older brother, younger twin brothers and I were brought up by a single father. Where I was raised in Rwanda, East Africa, this was not common. Single mothers, yes, but I have never met single fathers. With the help of servants, we carried on, and my father did the best to care for us. And so, when you got to get married, have children, <laughs> and now you've got to cook for them, and you don't know how to cook, and you've got to train them, and you've never had a mother. Oh, tell me <laughs> what you did. Pray, pray. I still do that because I still don't know. <laughs> but I pray a lot. I'm so thankful Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I'll send you the helper. And I believe the Holy Spirit is not there just to help us with spiritual things of reading the word or uh, the theology things, but into the everyday things. So I'm called to be a mother. And I believe the Holy Spirit can guide us and lead us on how. Yeah. So the first thing I, he led me to was to find a mentor. Mm. Uh, somebody close by, I could tell you, for my first two, three years of mothering, I called her like five times a day. <laughs> okay, I have to make this food. So this is doing this. It's boiling. What do I do now? <laughs> That's before the days of Google. <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> but yes. I needed to feed a family, and I didn't know how, having grown up with servants who did it all. But yes. So that's what I did, a lot of praying and asking yes. for help. So with growing up with servants, you wouldn't have even known how to manage a home. No, I'm still learning. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Uh, honestly, cleaning didn't come no more. Uh, laundry, oh, my. <laughs> and somebody, my mentor one day said, you know, um, once in a while, we, I take out my fridge and clean it. I'm like, the fridge needs some cleaning? <laughs> what? <laughs> I never, it had never occurred to me. <laughs> oh, goodness. I guess when you did it, you found loads of things that were rotting away behind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I find that I have to clean out my fridge at least every two weeks. Weekly is better because if I don't, you know, things, they just get <laughs> left and they go rotting and oh, and I like all my food to keep fresh. Well, by the fridge. grace of God, now I have a system where we do it weekly. Yeah, good, that's <laughs> the way. Weekly is the thing. Yes. Oh, that's good. You've even got your system down. Watch my Samuel is my fridge cleaner <laughs> once so a week. That's wonderful. So you have been not only learning yourself, but training oh, your yes. children. Oh, yes, because it yes. was very tough. Uh, I was raised in that culture. Hmm. But what I've figured out in, in raising my children, I don't know where God's going to call them. Yes. 
I don't know what he has in store, where in the world he's going to call them to, to serve him or do what he's called them to. So my goal is to train them in, the, in every area so that yeah. they can thrive. Yeah. I couldn't thrive in what he had called me. I was academic, but mm-hmm. academic was not the area he had called me. So I strive to teach them all those things so that if they don't need them, great. Anybody can get used to servants. Yeah. But it's hard if you've been used to servants to get yeah. used with, to that, without them. Yes, so it's good to, <laughs> oh, that's good training. Because that's all part of mothering is mm. the training of our children, isn't it? It's not just having children. Oh, my, that's just the very beginning. It's training these children. And uh, I do have to say, you're doing a good job, Nadia. Oh, praise God. These, Thank you. Your children are beautiful and they are such a beautiful testimony of not only good behavior but children who love the Lord and that's the whole purpose of our having children we don't have children just for the sake of having children Mm -hmm. we have children to raise for God that's the powerful thing about mothering as a a mother I mean you have a passion for God Nadi but you are multiplying your passion oh yes Yes, multiplying it. And that's what we have to see, dear mothers, that as mothers, what we have, our passion for God, our love for God, our love for his word, we multiply that in our children. Well, that's what Timothy's mom and grandma did. Yes. They passed it on Timothy. And Timothy, look what he accomplished for the gospel. Exactly. And so we impact people in this world. But when we think of our children going out and uh, what they will do in this world uh, it's just amazing and that's the wonderful thing is that the more children we have and that God blesses us with the more multiplication we have of the image of God and the blessing of God in the world. Well you know I used to be a Muslim Yes. And in Islam, we have a, they have a few wives and lots of children. Mm. But what the very be- big important thing that we do is indoctrinate them in yeah. Islam. Yeah. They have to have a strong foundation for Islam and how to yes. influence the culture with that Islam. Yes. So they have that system down. So now mm. I became a Christian. Well, I better do what I can to raise yes. mine to mm. take this God-giving mm. life out. Yes, and that is a very good point, Nadia, because, you know, Muslim people are truly indoctrinated in their faith, and it's not easy to win them to Christ without the power of God and and God Mm -hmm. coming in revelation because Mm -hmm. they are so indoctrinated in their faith, and their parents have put it into them. I was devout before I was 10. I was super devout to my Islam by then. So looking at what we had to do, you know, I was just thinking, because we were talking about prayer, by six, mm. seven, you're fasting as a Muslim, going all day without food. Yeah. As a child, in Ramadan, we oh, all do it. And you still have to go to school. Yes. And there's no such an exception, yes. right? When you become a Christian, it's like a little this. Like, no, we can't do that. I <laughs> so I was remembering that. Oh, yes. We're going to talk more about that on this podcast, uh, too. But let's get up to it because we're going to get up to it in the Word. So <clears throat> we, we are finding here, we're just talking, lovely ladies, about these things that God, uh, the Lord of hosts, uh, the, the God of the heavenly armies, uh, told his people who were in exile to do. And uh, so it was not an easy place. 
You know, the things God gives us to do are not just when everything is easy, when it's all just going smoothly and it's all lovely. Yes, we can obey the word of the Lord. But when it's tough, when we face issues that are not easy, that's where we still have to obey. God doesn't change his plan for our circumstances. But the amazing thing is that even when we face the difficult circumstances, we find that God comes through. I'm thinking, if I can just take time for a minute, I'm just thinking now of a a dear couple, and you met them because you came to the retreat in Tennessee, um, uh, Sherry and... um, Sherry and, oh goodness me, I know them so well, Uh, Sherry Leiter and her husband and beautiful family. They put on the retreat in Tennessee. Oh, yes, yes. 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 Oh, yes. Well, um, Sherry and her husband uh, started off just in the way so many start off. Uh, They had their two children and they had a boy and a girl. Perfect. (laughs) They don't need any more. So uh, he went and had a vasectomy. That was it. Life was good. They just had it all put down. But as often happens, the years went by and Sherry begins to long for another baby because that's what the Word of God says. And Proverbs chapter 30, it says that there are four things that never say it is enough, (laughs) that are never satisfied. And one is the barren womb. Oh, you may feel satisfied for a little while while you've got two little ones Mm -hmm. and it's taking all your life to look after them. But, oh, the years go on and that, oh, your womb cries for life again. And uh, so she talked to her husband about it and, he said, no, I've done this. I'm not having another operation. And, mm-hmm. well, she was so desperate. She nagged and she nagged. And the more <laughs> she nagged, the worse he put, yeah, got, he put his foot down. Anyway, a dear, lovely woman of God said to Sherry, look, you've got to change your tactics. Start praying instead of nagging. So she stopped nagging. She started praying. Mm-hmm. And she prayed. And God did it. God changed his heart, mm-hmm. and they had a reversal. And so uh, then they conceived. Mm-hmm. They were so excited that she miscarried. Mm-hmm. They conceived again. She miscarried again. And so, wow, they were getting so disappointed, so discouraged. But she conceived again. This time, she kept the baby right through to full term. But the baby was still born. They they couldn't take it. Here they'd given their lives over to the Lord, put themselves back where God wanted them to be. And what's happening? Miscarriage, now they're precious baby just born dead and her husband came to Colin he was he was desperate he said I cannot keep doing this to my wife I cannot do this I've got to get another vasectomy Colin encouraged him gently but encouraged him in the word and in prayer and said you know 
we don't live by situational ethics. We live by obedience to the word of God. And he encouraged him, and by God's grace, they came to the place, yes, okay, we'll trust God. We'll trust him even if he slays us. And time went on, and they conceived again. And this baby was born alive. Oh, thank you, Lord. But you would have seen their beautiful children. They had five more children after that. Lovely girls. Beautiful, godly children. Five beautiful children after that vasectomy. But they could have stopped because it was hard, because it was so desperate. But you see, we keep trusting God, and he comes through. And uh, so, dear lovely ladies, number three is take wives and beget sons and daughters or marry and have children. That's what we do when we get married. And God said this to these people in exile. Yes, come on, you don't stop just because you're in exile. No, you keep doing what I told you to do in the very beginning. This is my plan for you. Well, ladies, once again, our time is going away, but next week uh, I'm going to get Nadia to be with us again, Mm -hmm. and we're going to keep talking about many things. So let's pray for you. I'm Mm -hmm. going to pray, and then I'm going to ask Nadia to pray for you too. Father, we love you. We love your ways. We love your word. We love your plan. Help us to be those who are obedient to your ways. I pray for any mother today who's struggling. Oh, Father, I pray that you will come to her and let her know that you are her rock that you are her God, that she can trust you. For, Lord, you are always working everything out for our good. Your plan is for our good. Oh, Father, I just pray that you will pour out your spirit on each mother and all her children in her home and her husband. In Jesus' name, amen. And Anadia, You pray for them too. Father, I thank you for this appointed time for every woman that is listening. Mm. You know them by heart. Father, I thank you as God, I sense a heaviness in somebody's heart. I sense cries and tears. But my God, I thank you that you are God who knows, who sees, and who can do something about it. So in Jesus' name, we just pray your Holy Spirit to minister to that one that is wounded. As maybe, as Mrs. Campbell shared that story, I sense somebody saying, that is me. I've lost child after child. Spirit of the living God who comforts, I pray your comfort over this family. In the name of Jesus. And Father, we also pray, your word says, the thief comes to steal to kill and to destroy. We rebuke the devourer, oh God, in Jesus' name, that he will not steal anymore. That this time we just speak life. That this time when they conceive, this child shall come to full duration. This child shall be alive. That they too will have the testimony that that couple had. Look how many we had. God saw us through the other side in Jesus' name. 
Amen. The Lord bless you richly. Amen.